I want to preach this morning a sermon, as I mentioned earlier, something that's been marinating in my spirit for a couple of months. I didn't know when I would preach it, but about a week and a half ago, um, I sensed it. And um, it'll be a little bit of a two-part sermon, but the bulk of what I'm going to deliver today comes from what's been just ruminating in my heart and my mind. Everybody listen up closely. Sometimes as a pastor, you're, you're kind of preaching sequentially. You know, this is coming up. It's meaningful. And I'm excited about preaching it. Every once in a while, you have a rhema word. And a rhema word is like something that's, I call it, it's present tense. All of God's word is true. But rhema word is what's true and needed right now. How many of you know what a rhema word is? It's, it's a word that when it's released, it's oh. And... Um, I sense by the Holy Spirit that that's what the Lord has for us today. So let's pray. Father, I just want to not mess up. In my flesh, I just crucify it. And I lay my soul bare before these people. I just want to be a conduit. I don't want any credit. I don't want to perform. I don't want to impress anybody. I couldn't. These people are hungry for you. They're not hungry for some slick presentation your word is life lord and we just rest in the fact that your grace is covering this right now there's going to be an impartation there's going to be an awakening there's going to be a new paradigm released in this place for people that need it right now lord and so we we rest in that and we ask you for the anointing that makes preaching better than our favorite ball game that the anointing that makes church the most exciting thing we've done all week and the weekend in the Georgia-Florida game or whatever World Series, it, that pales in comparison to when your glory fills your house and deliver anyone that would even be sarcastic about, come on, Pastor Chuck, deliver us. Give us a right now word of faith that is released in this place. Hallelujah. I just sense a, a spirit of expectation. Come on, just, just rise up and say, Lord, I'm on the edge of my seat. My ears are open. Let's go, let's go, let's go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn and tell somebody next to you, get ready. Um, so listen, there's a very familiar passage in the Old Testament, Haggai chapter 2. Before I get there, I want to just... It's the latter is greater than the former. If you're like me growing up in the church, I was like, I, what is the latter? What is the former? And I've probably quoted it many times. I said, the former will be greater than the latter because I get them backwards. But the latter is greater than the former. What that means is what is coming is better than what has been. And morning, I want to declare in this place, your best is yet to come. If you know anything in reading scripture, the end is always better than the beginning. Wherever you are right now, where you're going is better. I wish I had somebody that could help me up here this morning. Your future is better than your past. And it's also better than your present. How many of you believe that this morning? Haggai chapter 2, 
Now we're going to read eight verses, but I'm going to read a couple of them. Then we're going to skip to Haggai 1 and we'll come back and pick up in Haggai 2. The prophet said, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord. Somebody say the word of the Lord. The rhema, the prophetic, what we needed to hear right now, the instructional direction of the Lord. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel. He was the governor. The governor, Zerubbabel. And to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of people. And so there's a word of the Lord for the governor, for the high priest, public, spiritual, and to the remnant people who have come back. Now I want you to know it's the year 520 B.C., that's what we're dealing with in Haggai chapter 20. 67 years before, earlier, Jerusalem had been destroyed. And the unthinkable happened. Solomon's temple, that was magnificent, it was destroyed. And the majority of those people had been forced into captivity or into exile over into Babylon. They were out of their promised land again. And there's a small group, a remnant has come back from Babylon, and the king, the current king in Babylon, had, or Persia, had appointed a governor for God's people, and a high priest had been appointed. And 15 years before this, approximately, 535 B.C., these returning exiles had agreed that they needed to rebuild the temple, which was a formidable task to try and recapture or rebuild Solomon's old temple. But they were set out to do it. And with great fanfare, they started. And Ezra chapter 3 talks about it. The old men who remembered when Solomon's temple was there, they, they wept. And the young men were so excited about, we're rebuilding this thing. And the Bible says there was so much noise, you couldn't tell were they celebrating or weeping in, in Ezra chapter 3? And so, with great fanfare, though, they start. They worked for a little while, and then everything ground to a halt. They were rebuilding and laid a foundation, some walls, and um, everything came to a halt. And this was an embarrassing picture of their spiritual life. And now no one had worked at all on it for 15 years. I don't know if you remember when the crash hit in the late 2000s and Avalon sat there and it was mothballed. Anybody remember that? It's hard to think back that they had started that and then they had to stop. And some of those buildings, the parking garage that was there, sat there for years. And then some developer came and got what developers do and stole that property. And now what's sitting there is hard to believe that it had been mothballed at a time. And that's what had happened to Solomon's temple. And then two prophets, minor prophets, burst onto the scene, Zechariah and Haggai. And they start speaking the word of the Lord. And something happens when a man stands and declares the word of the Lord over a people who are desperate enough to listen 
and receive. And that's what had happened right here. Aren't you thankful when a prophet comes, a man or a woman, and has the word of the Lord? What needs to be said, what God wants to say in that situation or in your situation, it's a remarkable thing, the word of the Lord. Somebody say, the word of the Lord. Now, there was a problem. Haggai, in the first chapter, he identifies to the people why they were stuck in this embarrassing spiritual condition with just a shell of an effort to rebuild the temple. In chapter 1, he says, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? Y'all got yourselves all walled up in your gated community. You're back out on the golf course. And the temple, the house of the Lord, it, it lies in ruins. Verse 5. Now this is what the Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have, and here's their condition. Sounds a little bit like ours. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. I love this right here. Such a picture. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may, may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. And now in chapter 2, six weeks later, he addresses them in this passage. And so we're going back to Haggai 2, and we'll pick up in verse 3. And he says, who of you is left who saw this house? Who was here when Solomon's temple stood? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's pitiful. But now, be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. He speaks to the governmental leader. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, the hybrid, the spiritual leader. And then he says to all the people, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. And here we go, listen, work because I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my second thing, I'm with you. And my spirit remains among you. And because my spirit is there, don't let fear rule or reign. Verse 6, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while... I will once more shake the heavens and the earth. I just want to say something. Hebrews chapter 12 references this. And often we see, hear me, before God does something significant or profound, something that gets the whole world's attention, there is a shaking that happens beforehand. He says in verse 7, I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. I will shake the nations, and the nations will want something. Stability. And then he says, I will fill this house with glory. That's what the nations want, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Now look, everybody listen, get ready to receive this. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, 
I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Now he asked them, who of you was here last time and you saw Solomon's temple? And he states the obvious. What we have now is pretty pitiful, isn't it? It's like, it's worse than nothing. It seems like nothing compared to the one Solomon built. I know you're depressed, but hear the word of the Lord. Be strong, declares the Lord. I am with you, declares the Lord. My spirit remains with you, so do not be fearful. This is what the Lord says. I will shake the heavens and the earth, all nations, and I will again fill my house with glory. He's saying to the people of God, get unstuck. Stop dwelling on how awesome it was and how impossible it will be to get it back to that condition. Stop focusing on your past. It was great. Stop focusing on your regrets, your backsliding, and get to work. The glory of the one you're building is going to be greater than the one Solomon built. Sometimes, like a prophet, I stand here and I feel what he must have felt. Those people, they could hardly imagine. In fact, I don't think they could. I think the prophecy was even greater than Haggai realized for where we're going in the New Testament. But they could hardly imagine a, that the word of the Lord in this destitute, mothballed, pitiful temple, place of worship, can be greater than what we saw in 1 Kings 8 and 2 Chronicles 15, uh, 5. You remember Solomon, he got to build the temple that David couldn't. Solomon had all the family fields, 22,000 bulls offered to the Lord, 120,000 sheep offered to the Lord. And then he prayed that great prayer. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 14, the priests couldn't stand in the presence of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the house. And now you're telling us after all of our failures and all of our backsliding, We've been back 67 years. We started this thing 15 years ago, and we ran out of hope. And you're trying to tell us what's coming is better than what we remember. And he would say, indeed I am. Are y'all out there this morning? You see, I want you to get in your heart and in your mind. God doesn't decrease. God doesn't get deluded. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't depreciate. And what he does in our life causes us to appreciate him more. God 
is always working on something that's better than what he did in the past. Y'all are not out there. God doesn't get tired. His glory increases because it is always coming to grace whatever the current need or situation requires. The Bible said, David said in Psalm 46, he's a very present help when you need it in time of trouble. Things appreciate spiritually. They don't depreciate. I'm here to declare in 2023 with the world like it is, the future is better than the past. Moving forward with God in the spirit always leads you to a better place. But we get stuck either in comfort or in regret. There's, the Bible is full of people that they refuse to get stuck. And their situation was helpless. The Bible is full of them. I know, and we name them according to where they got stuck. Like the woman with the issue of blood. She refused to be stuck. She pressed in, touched the hem of his garment, and you know, she got healed. We should not refer to her as the woman with the issue of blood. We should refer to her with the woman who used to have an issue of blood. Blind Bartimaeus. But blind Bartimaeus, you remember, he just got wind that Jesus was in nearby. And sometimes when you can't, when you lose one sense, the others get keenly aware. And you can sense, even though you can't see or hear, Jesus is near. And he cried out. And he said, son of David, have mercy. You're the Messiah. You can heal me. Heal me. And he did. Aren't you glad he didn't get stuck? He leaves us an example. And yet we still call him blind Bartimaeus. We should call him 2020 Bartimaeus. We should call him he used to be blind, but now he can see Bartimaeus. What is your name that you're stuck with that God wants to turn your situation around? Right now, I'm speaking to somebody. Be like the woman with, be like blind Bartimaeus. Get out of that rut in Jesus' name. Now, I want to talk to you three quick things, and we're going to pray for some people. How to get out of a rut. How to believe the latter. What God's going to do is greater than what he has done. Regardless of my failures, what's coming is, is going to be better than what I have or what I lost. Are y'all out there? I got three people on the third row. Now, number one, you have to think biblically. How do you think biblically? I know that when I get in a rut, in a bad spot, in an embarrassing situation, I have to ask myself, what is the word of the Lord for my life? What is the word of the Lord for this situation that I am facing? We've been through a lot this year, but thank God for his word. No wonder Jesus said, man doesn't live on bread alone, but man lives on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You've got to think biblically. And if you can't think biblically, you've got to ask God, God, what are you saying about my current situation. Brothers and sisters, get out of your natural, patriotic, American 
paradigm. You've got to get a biblical paradigm. God always wants to take you further, deeper, and make you stronger and more fruitful than you are currently. Your future is better than your past. I'm going to say it again. Your future is better than your past. The best days of your life are ahead of you. They are not behind you. No matter, no matter how bad things are for you right now, the best is yet. No matter how bad things are for you right now, the best is yet to come. No matter how great things are for you right now, the best is yet to come. Don't build a monument around that nest egg. There's greater stuff coming than, this is our God, this is the Bible. Now, you, you can't get stuck in depression. You can't get stuck in regret. You can't get stuck in hopelessness. You say, Pastor Chuck, I'm divorced. My wife walked out on me, or my husband cheated on me. There are people in this room, as bad as it is, and as painful as it is, and traumatic as it is, there are people in this room who are remarried, and their life is better now than it was before that happened to them. Now, I'm not promoting divorce, but I am saying that the enemy gets us stuck. And like young adolescents develop, trauma causes a person to emotionally and spiritually get stuck, get labeled. And the Lord wants to come today and tell you, that's not my way. That's not what my word teaches. Some of you got to get delivered from the Ziggy spirit. Anybody remember Ziggy in the 80s? Can we do it? Nope. Nope, dope, grope. And yet he was cute. And all of our love cards in the 70s and 80s were about Ziggy. Some of you got to get delivered. It ain't cute anymore. The funniest Ziggy, anybody remember Ziggy? My older sisters loved Ziggy. For the life of me, I still don't know why. And... Um, the funniest cartoon I remember of Ziggy, well, it just came to my mind. He's sitting at a, at a loan. He's trying to get a loan. And the loan officers leaned back in his chair and got his feet up on his desk. And he says, the bad news is, Mr. Ziggy, that we've had to deny your request for a loan. But the good news is, this is the funniest application I've ever seen. Would you let me show it to my credit manager? Nope, dope, grope. Some of us, I'm talking to somebody and I'm not trying to be cute. You've got to get delivered from Murphy's Law. That is not the law you're walking under. You've got to get set free and quit that stinking thinking. If it's going to go wrong, it will. If the toast drops the side of the butter hits the ground will be proportionate to how expensive the carpet was. Stop all that silly nonsense. Stop it. Are y'all out there? <laughs> Murphy's Law, in any field of endeavor, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Left to themselves, 
things always go from bad to worse. If there is a possibility of several things going wrong, the one that will go wrong is the one that will cause the most damage. Some of y'all are getting comforted right now. <laughs> Nature always sides with the hidden flaw. If everything seems to be going well, you have obviously overlooked something. I want to tell somebody, you got to, we laugh, but that's how a lot of Christians think. You got to think biblically. Anything that go, can go wrong, God can make it right. Get God involved and things will go from bad to good. If there is a possibility of several things going wrong, God can make every last one of them work out for my good. Are y'all like, if everything seems to be going well, God wants to get involved and improve that. Rejection, hurt, disappointment, trauma, it impacts us. That's why you've got to be, we've got to be people of the word. So right now, in Jesus' name, put your fingers on both your temples and just say, let this mind be in me, which was also in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I will be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I will not fit into the pattern of this world. I'm going to think biblical. My God is the God of impossibilities. He can turn everything around. He's, he's preparing me for something good right now. I just got to get my mind ready for it. In Jesus' name. And if you're sitting here going, Pastor Chuck, I'm not limping along. I'm blessed. Get ready. There's more coming. He's the God of increase. He's the, I know it sounds like I'm from Tulsa or my last name is Osteen. It's not. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you will work on his house and not get super hyper-focused on your house or your business, what's coming is better than what you have right now. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. The editor's going to have to edit that. I don't know where that came. I wasn't playing. That's not in my notes. Mm. Second thing you got to do to get out of a rut is you've got to think breakthrough. Watching football every Saturday. I, I, I went playing. Georgia Tech's down by 11 points. They are inconsistent. Team North Carolina, watch that thing. They played way too late. I'll be doggone if little struggling yellow jackets came back and beat number 17 ranked, trailing the whole game. It's how you finish, hallelujah. It's not how you start. And I've, I've competed football and lots of sports. Coaches will tell you. It's not how you look standing on first base. It's not how many free throws you can knock down in practice. Can you think, do you have a winner's mentality? Man, I feel the spirit of the Lord in this place. God's transforming some minds, some people right now because he's getting their mind stretched in the right kind of way. So you got to think breakthrough and tell yourself, I am not accepting this stuck place. This sickness this is not my sickness. This belongs to somebody else, and I don't receive it. Are y'all out there? You've got to contend for breakthrough. You've got to have some dog in you. You've got to fight and think. I may not have experienced it yet, but breakthrough is around the corner for me. Are y'all out there? 
Perhaps you're stuck because you're too focused on your house. Misplaced priorities, working hard, but things are hardly working. Give careful thought to your ways, the prophet would say. Your paneled house. Come on, you're planting a lot and harvesting little. You eat, 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 but you're never full. Drink, 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 but you're always thirsty. Put on clothes, but you never have enough. You earn money only to put it in a purse with holes in it. I just want to call you the best thing you can do to break through is to focus on his house. You're like, Pastor Chuck, I'm here. Now focus on building him a resting place. How? By worshiping him. In your house where you live, you focus on him and his presence there and the breakthrough will come. Come on, somebody. Why do we put so much emphasis on worship? You know, this time last year, I preached a whole series for like three months. Set the table. If he comes to dinner, breakthrough is coming. You welcome him into any situation. Now, I know you, can, you look at me and go, Pastor Chuck, that's easy for you. Y'all just, y'all popping out grandchildren and the church is flourishing. And look at y'all, you and Candace. And look at y'all, look at y'all, look at y'all. You got your new car and all that stuff. Listen, we have been through hell and back. And I have learned this. If I gave up or if I started thinking like the devil tried to make me think, I wouldn't have any breakthrough. I have learned to fight. I have learned to hold out for hope. I have learned that our God is a breakthrough God. And we go from glory to glory to glory to glory. If you're going to praise the Lord, you ought to shout like you mean it. Put some passion in it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. The last thing is... Think better. What I mean, you just said that. No, think progress, forward movement. You get off exit 10, coming south on Georgia 400, right there at the Avalon. You've seen that. When you exit and you turn right like you're coming to the church, there's a sign that says, keep moving. Don't you hate it when one of these people come here and think, there is no merging. It's a protected lane. Keep moving. Or some of y'all pull up right there spiritually. What's he blowing his horn for? JP and I preached a sermon years ago right after I came back called Keep Moving. We took a picture of that sign. Every time we pass it, JP says, Dad, keep moving. And inevitably, there'll be somebody there working on my sanctification. They will not keep moving. They'll stop. The word of the Lord this morning is keep moving because the latter is going to be greater than the former. Think progress. Think improvement. Think increase. God works miracles. Are y'all ready for this? Through his Holy Spirit. Now, I want to tie a couple things together. We're going from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Because you can say, Pastor Chuck, that's, that's awesome. But that's a historical event where God surely wants to help them rebuild the temple. You, you don't understand the dynamics. Because they were stuck. Solomon's temple, seven years to build it. They had never seen a building like that. Even gone to Babylon 
and all the opulence there. They had never seen, and they lived their lives. And when they left Jerusalem, captured, taken to Babylon, they had not seen it. So imagine them driving in from I-20, and they look, and they, as they arrive in Jerusalem, you talking about oppression. Speechless. Regret. We should have torn down those altars. God told us. The prophets, they told us over and over. We care more about our paneled houses. What's that movie Denzel Washington was in? I liked the book of Eli. Anybody see it? That's what this looked like. And so the prophet's going, come on, we, it's going, what we're doing is going to be better than what Solomon had. I care too much to hope because I don't want to be disappointed. I got to protect my emotions. Somehow we got to live and work and We'll find a way to survive. And prophets going, no. No, what we're working on, it's going to be better. You turn your Bible two pages to the right. The, the younger prophet prophesying at the same time. Pastor Munn preaches it, an amazing sermon on this passage. It's the core value of his ministry. Zechariah chapter 4, he says, hear me, it's not by might. It's not by, it's not by getting the right contractors. It's not about getting the right engineers. It's not about getting lucky in the economy. Are y'all hear me? It's by my spirit, says the Lord. And, and people stop right there, but the next thing the prophet says is, Zerubbabel started this and he will finish it. And then the next thing he says, so don't despise the day of small beginnings. So when you get started, that first day in the gym is painful, but you got to start somewhere. Rebuilding, you got to start somewhere. You got to start with the end in mind and you get the end in mind from God's word. Are y'all out there? Like wherever you are right now, it's not hopeless. It's not hopeless. It's not hopeless. Whatever the marriage, the cancer, the prodigal son, it's not hopeless. You got to start somewhere. And so we see, think better. It's his spirit that brings the progress. All right, now I want to just show you this template. All through scripture, God doesn't get deluded. Things don't go from good to less good. God's way is always, he takes you further, you go deeper, you experience more, you get stronger. Are y'all out there? How many of you believe what I'm telling you is the truth? Now, you may go through some stuff. That's what he uses to take you deeper. And to move further, you gotta go, you can't go further until you go deeper. And he takes you deeper for a reason. And then you get more, there's more fruit. And like, I just sense the Holy Spirit. You may be here going, I'm widowed. I'm widowed, Pastor Joe. How can, hear me. This is the God that takes his spirit and resurrects things. If you're here grieving, and I, 
I've grieved. God will do such a profound work in your grieving that he will heal your heart to where you will go. You lost your wife to cancer, whatever, three years ago, COVID, whatever. He will take your heart and he will make you keenly aware of how beautiful eternal life is. He will make you aware that it's just a matter of time. You're going to be with her in heaven. He will heal your heart and let you move on. He is not a God who decreases. He's not going to take something from you and you limp through the end of your life. How many of you hear what I'm saying? So whatever it is, but you're going to have to learn it's the Holy Spirit that enables you. So God's always increasing, getting better. Things are getting improving. There's progress always. There's never decrease, 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 unless God's using it to bring you to a position where he can increase. This is why Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, he told the parable about the wine. Wine ferments. I'm not a wine drinker. I don't drink, but I understand wine gets better with age. And what's, the, what's he using the analogy? Throughout the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is the wine. And he says, the whole parable is about this. You're going to need a new wineskin because the wine is getting better. You can't keep looking at the lens, the old lens, to see what the Holy Spirit's doing now. Because what he's doing now is better than what he did back there. Y'all hearing me? If things in, this is why Jesus, when talking about the Spirit, remember I'm tying Haggai 2, Zechariah 4. We're going to finish this. It's going, the latter is going to be better than the former because Holy Spirit's not going to be might or power. You're going to need a new wineskin. You can't use that old lens. I just got to say, somebody's got to be delivered from, you can't keep looking at things the same way you've always, as good as the way I, th I feel like my faith is and I see things. I never saw what we're enjoying right now. I had to change my perspective. Holy Spirit helps us. Who knows where we're going? How many of you know, though, it's going to be good? In spite of Dr. Fauci, the World Economic Forum, Pfizer, in spite of the 2024 election, we are going to a better place in Jesus' name. Now... How do you know? It's all through. When you see it, you can't unsee it. John 14, Jesus said, I'm getting ready to leave. And it's better. No. In four, verse 14, I mean, chapter 14, verse 12, he says, truly I tell you, you're going to do, what's it say? Greater things. Somebody say greater things. Because I'm going to the Father and the Holy Spirit's coming. And then I want to close with this last one right here. How many of you are picking up what I'm putting down? I'm trying to tie some things together. I just want to show you what the Bible teaches. Even in the Old Testament, it's not might, power. It's not grit. I'm just reminded, in Zechariah 4, he says, we will say to that old mountain, be removed, mountain of what? Opposition for us to rebuild the temple. 
It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit. Shout to that mountain. Shout grace to it. What is grace? Grace is God's enablement for you to be able to do what his word calls you to do. That's what grace is. And so they shouted grace. This, no, next month, seven years ago, there was about 150 people or so. And it was the first sermon I preached. It was after, no, it was in December, it was between Christmas and New Year's. And we had people move up into the balconies that hadn't been used in year, years. And we all said, I preached from that passage and we shouted grace. How many of y'all were here then? Look around, stand up, all these people that shouted grace seven years ago. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. You, it's y'all's fault <laughs> that we had to get a bigger parking lot. And you remember, Rick, what did I say? I said, don't say gra grace and don't say grace loudly. Shout it. I just feel like we, somebody needs to shout grace over your situation right now. Shout it right now so loud that it parts the back of the person's hair in front of you. Somebody shout, Grace! Praise the Lord. I'll tie this. The last thing I want to say. Oh, we gotta, I feel like we got to say it again. We touched something right now. Pastor Chuck, shouting grace? Yeah. The same God who had his son come and spit in the dirt, make mud, and touch a blind guy's eyes and be open. You remember that Sunday? I was like, all I know to do is follow the instructions. And that's what we've done for seven plus years. And we shouted grace. We had to remodel the sanctuary. Remodel the balcony. Because God's grace is still amazing. You shout grace into your hopeless situation. We praise you, Lord. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, everybody look here before we read it. Paul's talking about the old covenant. And he said, Moses went up to get the law. And when he came down, his face shone. And it was God's glory was on Moses' face. And Moses, every morning when he brushed his teeth, he realized it's not as bright as it was. So he, he put a religious veil. So he knew the glory was fading, but the people didn't. And Paul compares that and he says, his face shone and that glory was fleeting. But now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, here we go again, Holy Spirit, we have a glory that's not fading. Are y'all out there? It's, it's, it's getting, the glow is getting brighter, stronger. Look what it says. Now the Lord is the spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, say it, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate or reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with, say these three words, ever-increasing glory. Say it again, 
ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Stand to your feet with me right now, and I just want you to get ready for your situation to change. Can you think biblically? Can you think better? Think breakthrough. Welcome the Holy Spirit into your situation. I want to ask the prayer team to come quickly. Staff and elders and people group leaders and those who are part of our prayer ministry, I want you to just come quickly. You know how we do this. We're getting ready to pray and breakthrough is coming in the name of Jesus. Say this with me. Say the ladder. Say it. The ladder is greater than the former. Say it, the best is yet to come. Say it, my future is better than my past. My future, come on, say it, declare it. it my future is better than my present. Better than my present. Your children, don't stop praying. They're coming home. That healing, that miracle is coming in the name of Jesus. You are going to have to build a nursery. You are going to have to buy a crib. You are going to have to get the balcony ready to receive more people. You are going to have to add services because the Holy Spirit is moving in this place. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's not bondage. There's freedom and breakthrough and life and hope. There's not rejection. There's faith in that place. Come on, somebody. I, I can't get it out more than I'm doing right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, right there in your circle, the word comes to you. What's coming is better than what you've been through, and it's going to make it worth it. If you need prayer to get through a situation, Holy Spirit speaking to you, I want you to come quickly and let these people pray for you. Come in the balcony on the main floor. Just come quickly. And if we, all of these are full, we'll have an usher here and over there that will help you. <clears throat> Come with expectation. Come with belief. This Let hope and faith arise. Thank you, Jesus. This, this is, is a place of praise. Where every demon trembles. Where we proclaim your name, this is a house of healing. Come on, sing it out in worship. So we create a heavenly atmosphere, breakthrough, anointing. You have our full attention. Oh, you have the fire. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. There's resurrection. Come on, yes. Sing it out with them. Your blood runs through our veins. Your kingdom triumphs over. Even 
just lift it up while these remaining few are praying. Declare this. Oh, yes it is. Everything
Father, we declare in this house, we receive your rhema word personally into our situation. No matter how bleak, desperate, broke, hopeless, sick, rejected our current situation seems to be, we receive the word of the Lord into that situation. That what's coming is better than what we've been through, what we lost. It's better than what we have. And we declare, Lord, in this church, we believe you regardless of what the news says, regardless of what's happening on Capitol Hill, what's happening in the Middle East. We will stand and pray in faith. But we believe the latter will be greater than the former. We stand wide-eyed eager, anticipating the glory of the Lord to fill the house in such a way that there is an undeniable move of your presence. As you spoke through the prophet, you shake the whole earth, every nation, to make every nation want what they need. And that is your glory in the house of the Lord. We thank you for the shaking going on the last three and a half years. We thank you for your glory that is ever increasing. And you are right now taking each of us individually and corporately from glory to glory to glory to glory. You are an ever increasing God of abundance you have set your favor on this place because we have built up your house, your resting place. This is a house of worship unto you. And we praise you that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We thank you for overcoming faith. That Holy Spirit power resurrects dead things. You don't just help sick things you resurrect dead things and we call those things that are not yet as though they are we thank you your word promises that if we bind it on earth you will bind it in heaven that if we loose it in the earth you will loose it in the heaven and so we put a smile on our face because our heart is filled with a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Can we lift up an ovation and just tell the Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. We praise your name, Jesus. We praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name, Jesus. Alan, come here just a second. Would you just step up right here? This guy is very observant. A couple weeks ago, I wore this shirt under a jacket. This is what all of y'all need for Tuesday night as you give out candy at your house if you do. Can y'all read what his shirt says? Holy Ghost. Is that great or what? I love you, buddy. You bring lots of joy everywhere you go. So brothers and sisters, we're gonna let these 
remain and pray, but the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, say it, I receive it. God bless you.